RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Are we still doing this? That was supposed to be his line, uh, but uh, he, he missed the hen signal. I swear to God, though, John Champion's here. In fact, oh. ladies and gentlemen, uh, back from the hinterlands, back from who knows where the heck he's been. Uh, Mr. John Champion. I think the hand signal is covered up by my uh, my script. Oh, that could do it. Happened. So I saw there's a little bit of Earl in my window, but not enough Earl in my window. Yeah, there's there's never enough Earl as far as, you know, a lot of people here are concerned. Hey, it's Mission Log Live. Uh, That's John Champion over there. I'm Ken Ray over here. It's Tuesday night and you you are wherever you happen to be at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, spending time with your Star Trek pals, talking discovery. This week, it is the 12th episode of Star Trek Discovery, second season, Through the Valley of Shadows. Joining us this week, well, you know, it's you. That's right. You've got questions. You've got comments. We want to hear them. So, uh, Through the Valley of Shadows, why don't you uh, share your thoughts with us? You can join our Zoom meeting. You can use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can call 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833, and it would be just like you calling us. If you would please give us a call. Hey, can I botch the opening of the show, but I'm going to make it up to you and to everyone else by saying hello to the people who are in the chat right now. How about I do that? So there's That's a... fantastic because I am terrible about that. <laughs> you, you... And... Did not or could not do that while I was gone. I could not do that. Yes, I did. I said, hey, everybody. And that was about it. So so, oh, so call them out by name. Play Romper Room, dude. Do that there thing. There you go. We're going to name names. This is what we're going to do. We got Donna. We got Steve. We got Evan. Evan says, hi, John, Ken, and all you wonderful mission loggers. That, that means all of us, including Earl, and all of you, all of you who are watching and listening. Uh, we got uh, Rusty. We got, uh, oh, Steve Sheridan. He says, hey, Ken, good to have you back, John. Nice to see you, Steve. Uh, we got Paul. We got, uh, we got Scott Palm. We're going to talk about Scott Palm in just a moment. We got Thomas. We got, uh, Jason. We got Joshua. Joshua gives, he just gives a shout out to Earl. He just says, hello, Earl, as if the other guys here just not doing anything, just don't even count. Uh, you got Chris Riker. You got Peter. You got uh, Mauricio. You got Homer. Uh, just so many people here saying hello. And, uh, I am definitely relying on all of you to chime in on the show tonight. So as Ken said, give us a call or click on the Zoom link. Join in on the show because we will all have thoughts about Through the Valley of Shadows. So yes, that's right. We are waiting for you to check in with us. And of course, we would like to thank all of you who are checking us out here live on Facebook or if you catch the video later at youtube.com slash Prod. That's cool, of course. Or certainly if you're checking out the audio-only podcast, well, We welcome you there, too. Wherever you find us, please hit like, please hit share, and let the world know that we'd like everyone to join us here live Tuesdays to talk Trek. I will tell you, John, I have been really promoting this Thursday's event, this Thursday's event in Zanzar. I've really been letting people know. I've been saying to people, we had a little technical difficulty, so we had to move it. But don't worry, because it's coming up. It'll be on the 11th, and that'll be great. I said last week, hey, we're going to have an announcement for you this week because, you know, I think we got all the technical things coming up. And now I'm very excited to announce uh, we've moved it another week. <laughs> okay. Wow. See, that's what happens when I miss a conference call. with. Oh, you uh, didn't know about that. Did you no, not know about that? No, oh, no. yeah. So yeah. so I don't even I, at this point, I feel silly because what I actually said last week was we'll come up with something for Thursday night. Thursday night's going to happen. And then I was on the conference call and everybody's like, right. So we're moving it to the 18th. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> sure, because I didn't have an idea, so that's fine. So we are still working on this thing. I mean, here's the thing. I don't know how much people know about Rod, but a lot of times Rod's like, oh, let's, just, let's just do something, right? Maybe too much. It depends on when you catch him, you know. Well, I mean, but no, he'll be like, you know, he'll say, well, I mean, I think we can just do something here. And so uh, the event that we're trying to put together, the, the thing that we're still working on technically um, is such that he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to do it halfway. There mm-hmm. is a technical hurdle that we're trying to get over, and and it's you know uh, fallen to a few different people. I think it's in the right hands now, but I thought that last week too. So we'll see. Uh, long and the short of it is, the Sandstar thing has been pushed to the 18th. So go ahead though and and make your account because um, the theater is still there for you to check out. 
uh, the Roddenberry Nexus in Sansar is still there for you to check out. And if you haven't made your account, that means you haven't gone to the Nexus. And if you haven't gone to the Nexus, you haven't had a look at Nurse Chapel's original outfit from the original series. You haven't seen the uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Kirk's uh, outfit from Star Trek II. And these are real scans, like from the actual things, right? Um, lots of props, lots of cool stuff. So sensar.com, go there, make your account, and then you will definitely be ready, assuming we are eventually ready for the event that we had planned. For. By the way, Keith, Keith has a very relevant question. He wants to know, uh, was it booby-trapped? And then uh, following up, Joshua uh, wants to know, booby-trapped or booby-trapped? So, sure. Why not, yeah. guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Make it go. <laughs> so as you said, of course, Ken, yes, people should go to sansar.com and just sign up for the free account. Because uh, as you mentioned in those words, free account, uh, it is free. That is yes. the important modifier about having that account. It is free and you can check out all the cool stuff in the meantime. Then when we're ready for that event, boom, you, you just sign in. You click the button, you're in, you're in the event. I will say, too, our friend Barry did not take our word for that. We said, be sure, go like early, (laughs) and then then you'll be able to go right in. And he didn't do that, and he was 30 minutes late to an event one time because he thought, I'll just go in really quickly. And then all of a sudden, he's, you know, he's playing VR Barbie like you do because the second somebody says, make yourself look like whatever you want to, oh, well, that's a half hour of your time right there. Yeah. So so do all that stuff and then be ready because when we're ready, you'll want to be ready. I guess what people, by the way, people are, are mentioning all kinds of stuff. They're, they're uh, speculating about Mirror Ken, that uh, Mirror Ken is clean shaven and uses windows. And uh, <laughs> I think they're, they're all, they're all correct. They're I didn't want to say that's been the technical hurdle. I can't update Windows 10. <laughs> right. It's not true. It's not true at all. Hey, we've got another, uh, we've got another thing that we're doing, John. Yeah, very important thing. I was so pleased to find out, uh, given the uh, difference in the time zones, Ken, you and I were talking uh, halfway around the world from each other. GoFundMe, uh, the, the GoFundMe page for Scott Palm is still live. It is still active. I'm going to repin that at the top of our Facebook page when this show is over tonight. Um, please go there. Facebook.com slash Mission Log Pod and click on that GoFundMe page for Scott Palm. Scott is a friend of ours. Uh, we know Scott through Chase Masterson, and uh, anybody who's a friend of Chase is a friend of ours. Uh, Scott has been doing some incredible work through Chase's organization, the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Now, the coalition has set out with the mission to help end and prevent childhood bullying. Very specifically, Scott's role in this is to help empower kids who have severe physical disabilities and also work with their peers so they learn the valuable lessons of inclusion. This is all very Star Trek stuff, people. This is all very idic, and it fits right in with the uh, the philosophy of the coalition. And uh, we are so glad that the Roddenberry Foundation has agreed to match dollar for dollar everything that is donated to the GoFundMe campaign. Now, we're going to leave that up there until we meet the goal. It is that important. It is that powerful, the message that Scott delivers. The more we raise, the more Scott and his assistant get to deliver this message to schools all over the place. So help us out. Again, go to the Facebook page or go to our Twitter page, twitter.com slash missionlogpod. You will find the campaign pinned to the top. Just click, donate whatever you can. A dollar becomes two dollars. Ten dollars becomes twenty dollars. Fifty bucks becomes a hundred bucks because of the Roddenberry Foundation. So thank you in advance for anything that you can do. And please, when you do, share it out to the rest of the world. Let them know that you are participating in helping this campaign. Yeah, even if you can't uh, donate anything, uh, just uh, sharing it. And I know we always say, you know, please hit like, please hit share for us. If you've got one share in you, uh, share the GoFundMe campaign because, yep. you know, we'll be here. <laughs> and it would be great. I mean, Scott does do good work. And, and even even if you don't have a dollar to give, if you've got a share to give, I mean, that gets out to people who maybe do have a dollar to give. And, uh, and certainly that does help. Keith, Keith says it right now. Just be heroic. Be heroic. That's, That's what nice. this is all about. Yes. So that is pretty do cool. what Keith says and go be heroic. Don't do everything Keith says, though, because he's a troublemaker. Oh, well, saying. that's yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, time for the poll question. Last week, I asked a question that some might think is cynical. I say, I say, uh, is Tyler still Tyler was the question I had. Uh, yes, 78% say yes, Tyler is still Tyler. No, 22%. 22% say no. I say, Jerry's still out and we won't know till the end of the season, but that's me. Uh, <laughs> interesting, interesting uh, question this week, John. Yeah. How about those crystals? That's that's what I want to know. Now, uh, we gave you the choice of time crystals or Folgers crystals. Thanks, Earl. Uh, so time crystals or Folgers crystals, a full 68 percent. When I last checked, said time crystals, 32 percent said Folgers crystals. Now, look, I'm not a coffee snob by any means. Um but I, I don't, don't have to be a coffee snob to choose time crystals over Folgers. Over Folgers. Okay. Yeah. As you say, cause I, I just, I think I've had the Folgers crystals maybe once and I'm, I'm not down with the uh, Folgers crystals. How about you, Ken? Uh, well, I want to say what my runner up question was actually, cause I didn't know about Earl's. So my question was time crystals or time white castle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, yeah. people south of the Mason Dixon line are busting <laughs> the gut. Most of the rest of the country, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, speaking of, um, well, no, that doesn't work. So why don't we just speak of this week's episode of Discovery? Uh, boy, oh boy, do you have your hands full with this week's recap? Yeah, I do. And before I get to that, by the way, I'm just going to say, uh, uh, who is it here? Keith says, what about Billy Crystals? Keith, he's just going to keep them coming. Thank goodness we have Keith tonight. <laughs> so There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's recap the show through the Valley of Shadows. Michael Burnham is still dealing with the loss, then the recovery, then the loss again of her mother in the attempt to protect the sphere data from making its way to control. The mission hasn't ended, though. A new red signal has appeared in the sky, this one near a sacred Klingon planet, Boreth. So on they will go to Boreth once Tyler asks Lorel for passage. About Boreth, Tyler lets Burnham know about the child he and Lorel hid there, and she takes it really well, actually. Burnham says she really wants to go after Leland, which makes sense, and Tyler gets the signal that a Section 31 ship missed its check-in, which is probably a very bad thing. Seeing as how a very bad thing should be investigated, Burnham gets permission from acting Captain Saru to take a shuttle to investigate. Oh, but guess who's coming along? That's right, Spock. When Lorel arrives... She says Boreth is sacred because it's the only place anyone knows of to get time crystals. Yep, Klingons know about them. They have for years, and it's such a dangerous power, they guard the place so nobody can take advantage of them. Neither Tyler nor Lorel can go there since it would endanger their son, but Pike is ready to take the risk to face whatever price is involved in visiting the monastery. The time crystals they have might be their only way to permanently send the sphere data into the distant future and away from control. On the surface of Boreth, Pike starts a negotiation along the lines of, hey, I really need one of those time crystals, which is met with, nope, that's not a thing we do, and you're not going to get one. Pike comes back with, but I really need one because all of existence might depend upon it. And the Klingon in charge is like, okay, we can talk but you're probably not going to like this at all. Let's break things up with a little lighthearted fun in the mess hall. It's all just fun and games at the cool kids' table, except for Stamets, who is still brooding about what they've all just been through and what he's been through with Culber. Well, later on, Jet Reno catches up with Culber in sickbay, and she lays down her own friendly advice. Look, Stamets is a mess, and she's got to work with him. And he's actually got an opportunity here to appreciate what he has. How about giving things a second chance? On Boreth, Pike gets to know the head monk. He's a Klingon named Tanavik. And boy, is this place weird. Those time crystals are doing their time crystal thing. You can plant a seed and it grows into a tree in a few seconds because time crystals. You can bring a baby there, and a few months later, you're talking to a fully grown Klingon named Tanavik, son of Nun. Hey, that's Tyler and Lorel's kid, all grown up because time crystals. When Burnham and Spock arrive at the last known position of that Section 31 ship, the scene is not good. There's the ship and a whole lot of frozen space corpses floating nearby. 
Not so fast, though. There is a life sign among the debris. When they beam that one on board, it's Lieutenant Gant, who Burnham knew from the Shinjo way back in the day. Once he's stabilized and conscious, he explains what happened. He was working on purging a suspicious uh, subroutine from the ship's computer when the AI must have sensed the threat. It blew open all the airlocks, killing all the crew, except Gant managed to get into an EV suit at the last second. Rough trip, but too bad, son. You're all going to have to go back to the bridge of that ship to get rid of the AI once and for all. Checking in with Pike. He's being led by Tanavik directly to the time crystals with the repeated warnings that seeing the future can drive a person mad. Pike has to get some grasp of the crystals, though, and he does, literally, which takes him to someplace in his own future. It's an engine room on a starship. There's an accident of some sort, which leads to a massive radiation leak. In the melee, Pike is the last one left as the other crew escape. Through the window to that room, we can see Pike's severely burned face. Cut to a dark corridor. Pike looks like himself again. But at the other end of that corridor, a figure rolls forward in a wheelchair. It's Pike as well. Severely burned, unable to speak. Seeing his own future, Pike is horrified and snaps to his present reality. Shaken to his core, he tells himself and then to Navik that regardless... He is sworn to his duty and will take the crystal, even if his fate is sealed. On board the Section 31 ship, Burnham, Spock, and Gant revive the computer, but the AI is awake enough to have the ship leap away at warp speed to who knows where while they try to figure out how to disable it. It's not going well. They'll need to reboot everything with a startup routine to fool the AI into moving. Once moved, they can isolate it, in theory. Spock volunteers go to the central computer where he can get things started while Gant and Burnham stay on the bridge, manually rerouting systems and waiting to give Spock the go-ahead. In the meantime, it seems control is in more places than it should be. Sure, there's the computer, but there's also some loose nanoparticles in a carbon-based life form on the bridge. Yeah, that ain't Gant anymore. Everybody clues in at about the same time. Gant threatens Burnham not to even try to pick up her phaser. You see, he was killed along with the rest of the crew, but Control moved in to reanimate the body and lure them here. But this was all planned, even down to getting Spock off the bridge at this moment. Why? Control, in the guise of Gant, explains that Burnham is the most effective tool for retrieving the rest of the sphere data from Discovery. He needs her here so she can be reconstructed just like he was. Okay, enough of that. Spock gets through with a warning to Burnham, which is what she needs to finally grab her phaser and start shooting. It delays Gant just enough. Okay, after some terrifying fighting and nanoparticle threats, he even breaks Spock's wrist, leaving Burnham to do what she can, which is mostly blowing holes in Gant's body. Good plan except that Gant is also leaking those nanoparticles all over the place, and they are heading for Burnham. Spock, at the last minute, cleverly uses a command to magnetize the floorboards, stopping those particles in their tracks. They're safe for now. So then what? Burnham was the one Control was trying to turn. She was the variable Control couldn't easily predict when it came to outcomes about its future success. So they were successful in that respect, and with the remaining signals, they might be able to eliminate the threat for good. Back to Discovery they go. And on Discovery, well, you might expect that Pike is a little less chipper. He tells Laurel and Tyler that his crew are working on the time crystal now, trying to stabilize it in the hope that it might shed some light on the importance of the remaining signals. He also tells them that he met and talked to their son, Tanavik. Yeah, that part is complicated, but he's fine. And he's found his purpose, so he sent the symbol of the torchbearer back to them. Burnham explains Control's current status. It's not just in Leland anymore, and it was directing that ship to a part of space well outside of Federation territory. No time to speculate about why, though. At present, multiple Section 31 ships show up out of nowhere, ready to take on Discovery to get the rest of that data. They can't delete the data, and they can't run, Burnham says their only option 
is to destroy the ship. Pike sends a message of the Enterprise to rendezvous with them, then the order to Discovery's crew that they will be evacuating their ship. The end. Boy, that was a tough, uh, tough recap. I would say, John, that you got back just in time. Oh, oh, with the time. Because see, in the show, they had the time. uh It was a time thing. Yeah, Yeah, it was all a time thing. I don't know if you mentioned the time crystals. (laughs) Well, see, Ken, it's it's the crystals. No, okay. And they're the time. You have the past pillar, the present pillar. Can I ask a question really quickly about, about the trees in the hallway? Yeah, is, is that guy always there planting trees in the hallway, or is it like, oh wait, 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 somebody's coming. Gary places everybody places. You <laughs> get the trees ready because why was he doing that right then? Why just, was... well, it's like a like a Sisyphean torture, but his his torture for yeah. all humanity is just to plant seeds, watch them grow, and then yeah. you turn them back, and they probably just are dead, and you know you got to do it again. Uh, one other thing, while you were doing that uh, that recap, speaking of Sisyphean, by the way, while yes. you were doing that recap, and well done. It's been a while. Yeah, it was so, a lot. Thank yeah, you. it was a lot. No problem. Uh, I, I was actually reading some of what was going on in the Facebook chat. Uh, Greer wants to know why Tenevic uh, stopped aging right then. I actually thought it'd be funny if he was like, yeah, so I talked to your kid. And they're like, oh, well, my kid. And I could be like, oh, don't worry. He's probably dead by now. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. time crystals, as you say. Time crystals. I, I thought we might have had a little of the end of 2001 thing, though. Where, nice. You know, I see, that would have been cool. And then he'd be a different age, and then it would just keep changing, right? What if you had had, like, Pike being, like, all of those different things? That actually would have been an interesting thing for Tanavik as well. Oh, Instead wow. of, like, hey, he's a middle-aged Klingon now, what if he is, like, you know, uh, like a toddler leading, leading Pike, and then he's incredibly aged, you know, leading Pike, yeah. and then Pike is also doing all that stuff as well, because... Or they could all be falling down and it would be wibbly wobbly timey wibbly wobbly timey wibbly. Yeah. Now, what we didn't get though is, of course, they show the, the horror of the accident for Pike. But yeah. if you watch the menagerie, yeah. is that a happy ending for Pike? Yeah, why, why did it show him? That? Well, I, I have a feeling we're going to get to that, but let's do a couple of other things because we actually do have a caller lined up and then yeah. we have another caller after that. But I want to remind people how they too can be callers. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833 or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or go to the Facebook page and uh, and join in right there and shall we welcome our first caller John would you like to do the honors because I've been welcoming callers for the past couple of weeks I would love to by the way really quickly uh, our buddy Steve says time crystals is the new booby trap so- <laughs> could, be. Could, could well be because you know time crystals Hey, welcome to the show, Rhea. It's been a couple of weeks for me. Glad to see you. Yep. How's it going? Good to see you. Welcome back. Thank um, you. Well, I'm in my pajamas as usual. <laughs> hey, I, you know, as we all should be. Yes. <laughs> we should actually, you know, we should have a Mission Log Live pajama party. Oh, get John out of his blazer, get me out of my cardigan, yeah. and, uh, and everybody calls in. Say yeah. again? It'll be very TNG. It would. Pajamas. That'd be mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, um, every time I hear anyone talk about Calypso, it, it gets me thinking of what a genius move the uh, the short treks were because you had, um, now I'm blanking out on the one, the Saru one, you know, mm-hmm. that tied yeah. into the season. Um, and then the Harry Mud one, I guess you can say, ties into last season. The Runaway, you know, there's a, a in the preview for this coming week, I guess they're going to go to that planet whose name I can't remember. Um, but then everyone's, you know, talking about Calypso. And I, it, I don't know, it just kind of makes me wonder, um, are we even going to go there? Everyone's just assuming that somehow Discovery is going to end up, you know, 950 years or a thousand years in the future. And I think it would be awesome if that was a big red herring. But uh, I think it's just a, you know, Star Trek kind of pioneered serialized TV with Deep Space Nine and syndicated TV with Next Gen and you know, they've been on the forefront of all this, and I kind of wonder if this short trek thing is going to start a new trend. But I think it's just brilliant. I, I really enjoy the short trek so much. I mean, regardless of how they fit into the overall uh, story arcs of Discovery, what I loved about those short treks is that they showed that you can do so much with the efficiency of storytelling. And um, I, I was just having this conversation last night, with some very good friends at dinner um, uh, about how, you know, if you can write 
down what you need to get across in 10 pages, then that is the appropriate length for that story, that article, whatever it is. Doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be a 300 page book. There was something really beautiful about those shorts. You could have an emotional impact with Calypso. You could have emotion, but you could also have this really intense kind of twilight zone. What if story that you're left with? This what if feeling of, wow, is the ship alive? If it's alive, can it feel? Is that actually a relationship that they had? There are all these great questions that came from that. Now, what I love is we got to have a fantastic conversation about that episode. But now with the prospect of taking discovery and that dangerous AI moving it into the future, we only have a couple more episodes. See if this is all going to wrap up this way. But if that's what's going to happen here, um, A, interesting way to get rid of this threat without actually having to just kill it. And B, do we end up with something a little more benign, a little more benevolent in the end? Does the AI have a chance to settle in and become something beyond the, 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 the malignant uh, uh, threat that it is now? So I guess we all get to find out together. But I, I hope that that's the tie-in that we're leading up to here, mm-hmm. um, that, that there is something with that future discovery uh, uh, that we saw in Calypso that, that ties to this concept of what to do with the AI. So we all feel like that is something that's coming in the next two episodes, though. Is that what I'm hearing? Because I'm I, I mean, it, it certainly it, they have certainly set it up that it could be. But I mean, is there any chance that we don't have that, do you think? Or is that just a foregone conclusion? I think either way we win. Um, we're all expecting it. And I think it would, uh, you know, that's a great way to go. Um, but if we don't, if it's just a big, you know, if they just threw us for a loop, I think that would be great as well. Just as long as we see Cybok, I'll be happy. <laughs> good call. And you just got the thumbs up from Earl. So uh, <laughs> good job there. Nice. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, Thomas in the chat uh, has a new band name, Ken. You'll be interested to know. Hmm. Band name, Time Crystals. Sure, because Time Crystals. That's their first album, actually, is Because Time Crystals. Because Time Crystals. Actually, he has another band name, uh, which is uh, Tolosian Big Heads. So uh, that'll be be cool. I thought we went for the eyebrows then, but yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah. Uh, Rhea, anything? I'm sorry? They had that hit song, Booby Trap. Man, you just couldn't get away from that. I mean, you heard it and you just heard it and heard it and heard it. It seems just like all the time. Yeah. Anything else on your mind tonight, Ria? Oh, a billion things, but I'm not going to ramble on, but good to see you guys again. Well, if you don't have uh, time for a billion, do you have one more? Do you have one more thing? And then we'll let you go. I did. And now I'm blanking out. I mean, the whole Pike thing, but you know, I'm sure. Tragic, right? Tragic. And you know, I, I didn't like it. I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first because um, coming into this season, you know, we knew three things about Pike and I'm not talking about the Kelvin verse, but in the, the prime universe, you know, we knew a handful of things about Pike and then they had this, uh, it was glimpse of the future. I, I loved the week before when Yoryu and I call her Yoryu because Giorgio is not the right. My last name is Papa Giorgio or Papa Yoryu and her name. That's another topic. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. So she's my distant future relative. But anyway, um, when she hinted at, oh, I, you know, I know what's coming for you and you're not going to like it. Um, uh-huh. So that was cool. And it, if when I first saw uh, Pike see his future this week, I'm like, ah, oh, this is everything we know about Pike. And you're just blowing your wad, you know, all in one season. But on the other hand, Pike isn't going to be with us after this season, supposedly. So um, I get it, but it just seemed like, well, I know. I, oh, it's just such a. Well, I, see, I, I, I see where you're going with this because I, I uh, also with this dinner conversation, I, I, I said something along the lines of, um, it, you know, I didn't feel it was necessary because, like you said, we only know about three things about Pike from the original series coming into this, and so is it really necessary for Discovery to just tell you and show you the things you already know about Pike. Like if we know this one thing that he ends up in this uh, uh, decrepit form because of this accident, do we just need to, to hammer that? 
And and the other thing is that we know that he has spent time on Talos Spore and spent time with Vina. Do we also need to revisit that and relive that? And I, I think there's a good argument to say that you don't need to. What I like that we've seen here is that it has been played so well that I, I maybe it's just that I'm going soft. I I like the emotional impact that it has. And I like the way the actors are portraying these moments. I like the drama of the scene. So even though I, I might, uh, the, the intellectual side of me might say like, eh, well, do, do you really need to go there? Do you really need to spend time just showing us what we already know? At least when they're doing it, they're giving it some resonance. So, eh. yeah. And I'm with you there, John. I agree with that a hundred percent because they played it so well and um, Anson yeah. Mount played it so well. and and it wasn't um, gratuitous. I mean, it was, I guess, kind of part of the storyline where Pike, um, it's tale of two captains here, where Pike saw his future and willingly made that sacrifice. You know, Pike as the, the Starfleet standard versus Lorca, um, who was not the Starfleet standard, although I loved him. Um, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I think they, they did it well since they decided to do it. Yeah. John Cooley points out, he, he says, you know, this is his own fate worse than death, meaning it, it's not just that the fate is bad, but knowing what is coming and volunteering for it. Uh, it you know, he, he's got to live with that for however many more years. I think we figured it's about six years ish before this accident would take place. If we go by the, the TOS timeline, um, Wait, if you go by the book. If years <laughs> would seem as days or something days, right like that yeah, uh, because, yeah. Time because time crystals exactly <laughs> rio knows yeah look for their new album by the way coming out uh well yeah head to head to tower head to turtles head to any place you buy records mm-hmm. <clears throat> i'm certain yeah. you'll find it right there Rhea, thank you so much for calling in good to see you again thank you good to see you guys take care hey, All right. uh, so wait you said turtles and tower yeah. did, did you have an oz records where you grew up no no i didn't okay might have just I been didn't. a birmingham thing it was all themed out with the yellow brick road and when you ordered wow. the, the album that you wanted the guy in the stock room would throw it in a basket and then the flying monkey would uh would fly around the ceiling and then you have to be making this up no i'm not it was, it was at eastwood mall the southeast first air-conditioned indoor mall and, and uh, yeah i now i want time crystals because I, I had no I know, time right? crystals yeah. going into this, but seriously, I want to go to that store. That's what I want a time crystal for. And, and half of our audience is like, what's the record store? I know, right? Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> all right. Do you want to, uh, well, let's hear from some other people. I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to yeah. make my case for not seeing what we saw from Pike. And, and, you know, you say maybe yeah. you're getting soft. Yeah. I, 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 I don't want to be, so, be so incredibly. No, I'm enraged. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a call back to the, to the episode of Discovery. Uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. Or you can go to our Facebook page. Although you're probably there if you can hear me right now. And if you can't hear me right now, here's how you would do it in the future. Go to our Facebook page and click the link right there. And you can join us just the way Bruce has. I, I hate to be all money Python, but hello, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. Hello, Bruce. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, Bruce? As I watched this, by the way, thanks for having me. Uh, as I watched this last week's episode, uh, I just realized that Pike has gone from a great character to an outstanding character. I, I just think Anson Mount is killing it. It's fantastic. I, I'm just blown away by how good he's been. And what I couldn't help but think about after the episode was the next generation episode, who watches the watchers. And that's one, that's the one with the proto Vulcans. And um, at the end of that episode, Picard has, he, you know, he screwed up. They re- revealed themselves. The, these people think that Picard is a God and this guy is ready to kill Picard and Picard is ready to take an arrow to his heart and die to prove to these people that he's not a guy, that this is just, you know, I'm just a guy, just happens to be from the future, no big deal. And for me, that's when Picard went from being a character that I liked to just loved. He would, From then on, I was just huge Picard fan. My favorite captain, he, he's Kirk. 
Pike is certainly not at a Kirk level for me. It's probably because of the length of time. But if this went on, I'm thinking Pike would be my favorite character. If they could write him this well, I'm assuming Anson Mount could continue to play him this well. And I'm just gutted that, you know, and I've known since the beginning, this is a one season deal for Anson Mount. But I, I just, I hate the notion of discovery going on without Captain Pike on the show. And I know he can't because he's a captain of the Enterprise. We know his history, but I'm, I'm going to miss him so much. So now, now what you're saying, though, is maybe you would appreciate a Pike series. I absolutely would love a Pike series. I just don't want to get my hopes up because I've got like 47 other shows that they're talking about. Yeah. I just I, more, you know, I, I want Picard more than anything. Pike is, is like 1A in terms of the show I want to see. But if you had to lose one of those other shows in order to squeeze in a Pike show, you're, no you're done. You're done. No problem at all. No yeah. problem. Absolutely. It's interesting because if they had actually, if they had started, I think, with we're going to make the Pike Enterprise, people would have lost their minds. Mm-hmm. But but now I think that is something that, uh, I, well, I mean, I know that I would, I would, I'd pay 20 bucks a month to watch that show. Okay. Really, don't quote me on that, though, because I don't think I would actually spend 20 bucks a month. But I'd be happy to keep paying for CBS All Access to watch that show repeatedly because... Because then I, I subscribe at the no subscri- the, the no commercial level because I don't like commercials. I would I I pay more for yeah. I you know I hear a lot of people saying that oh well I I subscribe for do, I subscribe to CBS All Access during the season to watch Discovery and then I, I shut it off and I'm like you know there's really nothing else I, I I occasionally will grab another show from there but I keep it on just because I want to support CBS All Access and let them know that hey. You know, I'm interested in more shows like this. So, so bring it on. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, what else is on your mind tonight, sir? I think that's it. I, I've, I've um, said what's on my mind. I appreciate the time. By the way, you, wow. you earn points with me, not just with the uh, Anson Mount love, but uh, by name checking one of my favorite TNG episodes of all time. And I had not made that connection, but I, I love you making that character moment connection about the, the the dedication of the character to the cause. Absolutely. Uh, we've seen that in in pieces with Anson Mount as Pike, uh, but this one clearly drove it home. This is Absolutely. as important as the principle of the mission. So, yeah, um, yeah very cool. And right, uh, I, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, forgive me, but I, I was going to wait. But let me let me just ask a question. Yeah. And this is not to take anything away from what Anson Mount did with this moment, and it's not to take any way, anything away from the tragedy uh, that 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 Pike does face going forward. Because even if you say he lives a full life, you know, in the situation that he's in, or he lives a full life with Vina, he still knows there's a tremendous amount of pain coming, right? And so you say, but he went ahead and he, and he took the time crystal, knowing that you know that this was his fate. Well, it's either him or the entire galaxy. I mean, he's going to die. He's going to die either way, right? Why did we have to see it? Like, couldn't we, couldn't we have had a philosophical discussion? And that has honestly not been Discovery's thing to this point. But could you have not had Tenevik and Pike talking about whether or not he wants to see his future, whether or not he wants to know how things are going to go? Because you could then have like some interesting philosophical back and forth about, you know, if I knew how everything was going to go, why would I bother getting out of bed? Or, you know, if I knew everything was going to be great, maybe I wouldn't try. Or if I knew everything was going to be horrible, maybe I wouldn't try. You get a Kirk speech out of that, honestly. The point is not to know how it's going to end. The point is to try and to keep trying and to keep trying. The other problem that I have with it, honestly, is we just spent weeks and weeks and weeks fighting the future. But... But if he touches the magic rock, well, then his fate's sealed. Mm. What's going on? I mean, because if you don't know the tragedy of Pike, now you do. But now it's just, it just feels like, it feels like disaster porn to me. Really? I mean, you know, we know what's going to happen to Pike. Pike didn't know what was going to happen to Pike. And now Pike is dead man walking. And he right. knows that. And I think Pike would rather not know that. And I would rather we have a philosophical discussion about whether or not you'd want to know rather than just saying, wow, wow, it's so sad that he knows that now because he still has to be out there doing that thing. I kind of I, I kind of wish I kind of wish they had taken a bit more of a risk than than showing us that scene. Look, if Anson Mount isn't nominated for a for a for an Emmy, 
there's no justice in Hollywood. I mean, he has nailed it throughout this. He did fantastic on that. And I wish the scene had been a bit more cerebral instead of more. Why was his face melting? Why was his face melting? I mean, and not not when he was like in the tragedy, but when he was in the chair. Why is his face melting? It was horror. Yeah. And 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 character deserves better. Is my feeling because we know that's coming anyway. I wish I I wish we had had more of a discussion about something higher level than just you know the sadness of that moment. That's me. Yeah, I mean, look, I I could have lost a couple of minutes of the uh, uh, of you know. There's a lot of action in every episode of Discovery. You kind of have to have the the fight scene of the week or the uh, you know ship battle scene of the week or whatever it's going to be. I could have lost definitely a couple of minutes to that and and heard that conversation. Um, but I, I also like that we got a show versus tell moment out of this. And I like that, you know, again, it, it, it drives home for Pike that no matter what, no, no matter how bad this looks for him, he will always do what is right for the mission. And, and I know that sort of goes without saying to, to, to some extent, but, I, I don't know. Again, I think they handled it right for for what they had. Would have liked to have had more. Sure, would have liked to have had a discussion in there. Bruce, you want to chime in? No, I, I, I hadn't thought about it from Ben's perspective. Uh, that's again going back to what I mentioned earlier. I, I, I read too much about what other people think about it, uh, and one of the complaints is that it's too much action, you know, it's, it's not real Star Trek. And I disagree completely with that concept, but I think maybe that's where Ken's argument is maybe where some people are going overall with discovery and certainly with this scene. And some of their, that's where some of their dissatisfaction comes from. Um, and I don't want to take anything away because I've been reading obviously on, on uh, Twitter all week, how moved people were by that. And it was a moving scene. I just, I just kind of wish, I, I kind of wish it hadn't been the scene that we had, which, you know, but that's not to take anything away from, again, not to take anything away from what Ann Houghton did, especially because he, uh, he's just been incredible. I honestly, I mean, I knew I liked him going into this. I wondered if I would spend a lot of time comparing him to Jeffrey Hunter. Of course, you only have the one episode really with Jeffrey Hunter, but I mean, he owns, he owns that role. He'll, he'll be Pike now in a way that Bruce Greenwood didn't. And in a way that Jeffrey Hunter really never had the opportunity to because there was only the one episode. I I would, I mean, like we said at the beginning of this, I would watch the Pike show. I would watch, I would watch his Enterprise. Plus, I assume that if we follow him back to the Enterprise, we finally get to meet Boyce, who I think would be a fantastic character for, <laughs> for, uh, for, uh, for Anson Mounts. Uh, maybe they could have common play voice, uh, Boyce and it could be like a whole hell on wheels in space, oh, kind of like yeah. wagon train in space. In space. Yeah. 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 With time um, crystals, of course. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I, the, there's a, there's a tonal thing. There's a pacing thing. There's, I, 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 I get where you're coming from on this, Ken. Um, as much as I like the scene, as much as I was moved by it, as much as I, I love his acting, yeah, would it hurt him to slow it down every now and then and just give us a moment of grappling with the idea instead of, boom, here you go, here, here's, here's the spate. It's emotional, it's terrible, now go, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, by the way, not to change the subjects too much here, but uh, Will asked in the chat, do you guys plan on having a season two live wrap-up episode? Um, yes, we, we will do something along those lines, and we've been talking about guests to bring on and how to how to sort of summarize the the season, but also sort of our our take on discoveries. So uh, I've been working on that a little bit, and uh, looks like we've well we've only got three weeks to solidify that. So yeah. we'll, we'll see you three Tuesdays from now, right? Indeed. Yeah. Hey, Bruce, thank you very much for calling in tonight, man. And thanks for, uh, thanks for rolling with my questions about the Pike scene too. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, guys. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one top from your smartphone or go to the Facebook page and, uh, and click the link there and you can join us. Uh, John, forgive me. My glasses are over there. Who's up next? Uh, John is up next. Not me, Other John. We have John. Other, other John is up next? Other John. Yeah. Hey, Other John, welcome to the show. Hello. Uh, uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm here in uh, uh, Texas, and whenever I was watching the episode and got to the scene with you know uh, Pike and the Klingon monk, and I'm forgetting his name, and I've only heard it like you know forty thousand times already tonight. But anyway, um, I was just wondering if anybody else immediately thought of the scene in Deep Space Nine whenever they were in that uh, uh, prison and Garrick had to go back inside the wall to send out that signal and Worf and Martok said behind them that uh, um, there's no greater enemy than one's own fears and it takes great courage to face it. And I, I was just instantly thinking of of that reaction whenever um, Pike was given the uh, given the t- given the crystal with the thing of you know I I honor you sir for that you know it's kind of I, I just kind of felt that uh, the parallel there. Huh. Well, um, I, I will be very honest with you. Um, I don't think that I can speak to that. Oh, okay. Thanks, Earl. Uh, oh, we got. Oh, is that Brian chiming in? That's okay. Brian. Yeah, Sorry, Brian, Brian, I think was talking. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Um, go ahead, John. You were saying. No, I, I, I can't speak to it because I, I can't really speak to the uh, Worf episodes of DS9 yet. I, uh, I I haven't gotten there, but I think this is a, a fascinating parallel, uh, uh, a thematic parallel that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, I, I mean, it's, a, it's a it's a great quote. It sounds a, yeah. along a very similar line, and I didn't I didn't mean to be dismissive earlier when I was like, he's going to die anyway, although in fairness, he is going to die anyway. I mean, if he doesn't go ahead and accept this for everyone, then all sentient life in the galaxy goes away. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely, I mean, I'm, I'm where John is. I have not, I may have seen the episode that you're talking about, but it's not ringing a bell right now, but, uh, okay. but, um, yeah, I can, but just, uh, overview thing, um, that, you know, uh, um, Garrick, Worf, Martok, and Bashir are in a Dominion prison, and um, to send out a signal so that they can be rescued, Garrick needs to slide inside this wall to get to this panel, but he's also having to fight through crippling claustrophobia. Mm. Um, and so he's... It's basically a thing of that um, if if he doesn't do this, they don't get rescued. And so he's like, you know, I've, I've got to do this. And as he starts going back in there, Worf and Martok are talking about it and basically calling him brave. Um, Sounding like that. They're just talking amongst themselves, but they're also talking loud enough that they know he can hear them. So I, I just, I just kind of thought that that was also a good moment of, you know, two Klingons just called this Cardassian, courageous and it, it's just the thing of that uh that going on there just that the, the total change in his demeanor and him saying you know i honor you whenever handing pike the crystal it just kind of reminded me of that of like okay you know you you do have courage you do have the heart of a warrior and and, and you are worthy of this yeah so it was it was just yeah. kind of that kind of thing Anything else? Uh, anything else on your mind tonight, John? Uh, I'm sorry, other John no. or first John, Texas John. No. Can we call you Texas, Texas John? Just John. I like that. Okay. Yeah, that works. <laughs> cool. Thanks well, so thank much. You, thank you very much for calling in. Yeah, we really uh, we appreciate it. And do give us a call back, okay? Okay. Excellent. As six six nine nine hundred six eight. 33 is the phone number to call 669-900-6833 or you can use the one top from your smartphone or you can hit us up on the Facebook page facebook.com slash mission log pod we do have Brian coming up in just a moment but first I want to remind everybody about something that they can do after this show uh, you know relax have a snack grab a tasty beverage and then come back to Facebook at 1130 Eastern 830 Pacific for priority one a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast because they record live every Tuesday night uh, it's Elijah, it's Kenna, it's Anthony talking over, you know, TV and movies and gaming news and literary reviews. And I know they're going to be talking about Discovery as well. Um, it just, you know, tons of stuff that happens there. It's like a longer time with your Star Trek pals. I mean, other Star Trek pals, sure, but 
you get to see um, you get to see how the sausage is made, as they say, because the show that you hear and watch live tonight will not be the show that comes out Friday. It's a, it's a very different show once it's done, but you can be part of seeing it made. So after we're done, about a half an hour after we're done, actually, 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific, Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast, Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. That is where and when to be for the live recording of Priority One. Hey, uh, it looks like we have another caller standing by. It looks like we have Brian ready to go with us. So, uh, Brian, I think you you might be the one to wrap it up tonight. Uh, how are you doing tonight? Oh, okay. Hey, there you uh, are. Good. Welcome, John. Uh, Alamarine, um, sorry about Alamarine. the audio difficulty. <laughs> Great. Come uh, back in. It's already Shap 3. It's Shap 43 now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, as usual, being on the tail end of the show, uh, you guys have surrounded up here all the things I wanted to talk about. But yeah, the, the, it, it's just that's fine. I we can we just look at the highlights again. That's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're kind of glitching a little here. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm like seeing myself from five minutes ago trying to come onto the show. Apparently, I <laughs> lagged that much. Um, I think we're seeing the pitfalls of uh, of prequels in that. And this has always been one of the things about prequels is that you tend to want to take every little nugget of um, of the history, uh, whatever backstory you have, and then try to work it into your story and flesh it out in a way. And so, yeah, you come across as, you know, hitting it, those points again. It's like, oh, what do we know about Pike? Talos 4 in a wheelchair. So we've got to hit those points. And it just seems like, do we really have to do that? But, um, yeah, I think you already kind of discussed it. And, and Ken, you, you elaborated on the whole destiny aspect of it, which was also, um, is it free will? Yeah, you can have a whole hour talk about that. We already had a little bit of that. So. Well, it's kind of a tough thing. Yeah, I, I mean, we know ultimately what will happen to Pike. We know ultimately what will happen to Spock. So we... I won't say that there aren't stakes there, but, you know, there's only so much you can do before we say, okay, well, they've got to land at this place. Like with the Spock story, you know, when you go to Leonard Nimoy's uh, performance and the, the whole arc over 25 years leading up to Star Trek VI, you know, we got this deep analysis of that character and uh, uh, his reconciling his human half and the sort of psychological torture and his death and rebirth and, and everything. So then you come back to a show like Discovery and I, I, it's a challenge. I, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it, but it's a challenge to go, okay, well, here's a 25 year history of a character already. We know that there's all this deep psychological stuff going on. What can we do with them? Well, we're going to go the psychological torture route again and, and see all these things that make up the character that, that make him tick and, and make him very unique. Well, you know, do we do we need to do that or, or do we need to show the sort of the building blocks that got us to where we were with Spock and we were introduced to him the first time in Where No Man Has Gone Before or before that with the cage? It, it, it's a tough call. And, it, you know, we could kind of go down this route, I think, and ask ourselves, well, when is it worthy when is it a valuable thing to revisit a concept or a character or a, a plot point made in the past? Because we can truly elaborate on it in in a, a better storytelling, as opposed to just pointing out the things that look like plot points or look like touchstones to previous Star Trek. You know, I I like that in Discovery. Yeah they use TOS sound effects. Those are those little, little moments, little glimpses that make me go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're in the same universe. Even if we aren't lined up in lockstep with exactly what Star Trek looked like in 1966, that's fine. It's just a little, it's a little gift to somebody who watched Star Trek from years and years and years ago. 
But Ken makes a very good point when he says, you know, then you come around to which was it in Into Darkness, Ken, when they mentioned the Harry Mud. Yeah, it was. And yes, it was Into Darkness. Yeah. When they mentioned they it seems sort of like and and there's as you say, I mean, there are little things like they do use the the TOS sound effects. That's great. And Into Darkness, they said something about, um, you know, uh, getting the ship that we grabbed in the mud incident, which I think you said, John, that a listener said, well, that's something that happened in a comic book or something that happened in a book or something like that. But either way, it was really just kind of it felt just like sort of saying, see, see, we, we're, we are Star Trek. We know Star Trek. Yeah. The one thing that I kind of wonder about, honestly and I'm curious how other people feel about it as well. And it could be a question that's sort of left open for the next uh, few episodes. Having to explain everything in the past, and I don't mean showing it necessarily. Look, it's a, it's a question. Do you want to show, you know, what happened to Pike or do you not? Okay, that's fine. But like, we thought that Spock was Spock because Spock was half human and he was trying to live more as a Vulcan, but he was surrounded by humans. And that's what we knew about Spock for 25 years. And then in one season of Discovery, we found out, well, no, it's because his mother actually withheld some of her affection because there was this other kid that she could put her affection on. And also because Spock was dyslexic. It's like, I mean, we've gotten two different explanations this year for why Spock is who Spock is. And I don't remember anybody wanting to know why Spock was who he was. We loved Spock. We loved him for who he was. And if you want to, if you even want to show the character, that's fine. But now it's almost like, Oh, well, this is why he was the way he was. Well, nobody was asking. I mean, for, for 50 years, we had this character that we loved because, because of the things that we loved about this character. And, and, and Rare, I think, was the person who said, yeah, but why, why that exactly? And I'm going to withhold yeah. my feelings about this character until I know. I mean, that's... And, I, and hey, I get it. If somebody said to me, no, seriously, you explain why Batman is the way Batman is. Five bucks says we got a new origin story in half an hour. Right? Mm-hmm. If somebody gave me the opportunity to make the Joker movie, I'd make a Joker movie for you. Sure. Why not? And so if I had that power, maybe I would maybe I would do that as well. Uh, sitting on the other side of the screen. It would have been fine to me to just watch Spock and not be told repeatedly. Oh, and, and here's the other reason he is the way he is. Here's the other reason he is. I mean, really, we all know the real reasons because Sarek is just an awful, awful father. <laughs> He's truly the worst. <laughs> He's the worst father in the in all of uh, the. But that, that's the tough thing here. Like you have that opportunity with Pike because we know nothing about Pike. Yeah, and and you just the it, complete tabula rosa here to write whatever you want about Pike. We just know that he's going to end up on Talos Four. Fine plenty of latitude to do whatever you want before you got to that. Um, and, and Spock, look, everybody loves Spock and you know that Spock exists at that time. So you want to get the character in there somewhere, but then you question, well, is it the right focus to add that much more detail, that much more depth when it, it isn't necessarily called for? Um, yeah. Chris Riker says father's day on Vulcan crickets. <laughs> Probably so. Probably so. Uh, Brian, I think we are just about up against it. Do you, Ed, do you have one, uh, final, one final thought? I had two. Uh, I don't know which one I should do. Uh, I'll, um, I'll grouse about something from two weeks ago. I tried to call in and didn't mention it. I don't know if anybody else mentioned it, but um, it didn't seem odd to you that everybody thought for a moment that Michael was the red angel. And so they sit around making plans on how they're going to capture this future Michael Burnham. Well, Michael Burnham's standing right there in the room with them. <laughs> that yeah. just blew my yeah. mind. I was like, wait, that, does nobody have... What? <laughs> what? Because yeah. she could just say, like, uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I'll let myself get captured like that. I'll That'd be great, it. actually. Yeah. If she had, like, shown up and been like, I totally knew you were going to do that. <laughs> exactly. I, I completely saw that coming. Yeah. It's like whatever my motives are in the future, I'm definitely going to fit this into your game plan. No doubt. No doubt. I got a place I got to be and it's here and it's now. Uh, Sadly, Brian, unfortunately, we got other places that we got to be. But thank you very much for calling in and do please uh, give us a call back sometime. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Later. Hey, uh, I'm going to let everybody know, John, or do you want to let everybody know? It's been a few weeks for you. It's been a few weeks. Maybe I should refresh myself on this. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the inimitable 
Earl Green. So be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Port, Priority One, and the Trek Files. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look over at patreon.com slash mission log. Some fun items there, including early access to videos occasionally. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. And we will talk to you next week. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.